0: All right, Andy. Well, we just wrapped it all up and we talked about sexual harassment for a second time because we have listeners. Because we have listeners. And and they they asked questions. They asked
1: for that. Um, And and even more than that, we, we really got into, which I really enjoyed, working through kind of how might the church work through this and what kind of how would we explain this kind of process like what does the church have to offer what is the what are the scriptures what does christianity have to offer in this kind of brokenness in this situation and what would forgiveness look like so we kind of work that out which i think was really helpful for me
0: yeah well i think i think this is a really good podcast
1: yeah and i'm really
0: thing. excited to see what people have to say about it and hopefully they'll respond to it or add their own things or because i had fun yeah, me too. And it was meaningful and, and insightful for me. So, uh, enjoy,
1: and thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Good morning, Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Andy Littleton, and I'm here in Tucson, Arizona, at a place called Exo Coffee, and I'm with my friend Eric Siepen. That's Eric,
0: right, from Eric. the village. I get to say I'm from the village.
1: Yeah. Eric um. Siepen, pastor, village. Village, Tucson, Arizona as well. Exo Coffee is uh, is our gracious host. We just want to say thanks to them before we jump in here, and thanks for your loft space, for delicious coffee and sandwiches, Um, and yeah, it's good to be up here. Yeah. Eric, um, what have you been up to this morning?
0: Well, I I was playing basketball with you. Oh, yeah. That's right. Mike. Yeah. Just the three of us. So, let's just make a plug right now, 7 o'clock. Tuesday morning, Thursday morning. You want to play some basketball with older, an older man and two—I don't know what you call yourself—middle-aged men. No, Middle-aged, well, you're in your 30s, early right? middle, yeah, yeah, thirty-something. Yeah. Yeah, so you're young still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you want, and you say, th- "Say I'm not in shape." Well, you're probably better shape than me, so we're good to go.
1: Yeah, and and um, there's there's a kind of a three-level thing going on on this Tuesday morning basketball thing. If you're listening out of state, um, you can still come. Yeah, I'm just like this. Doesn't have to be a Tucson thing. No, it doesn't. Yeah, Tuesday and Thursday mornings at seven o'clock at, Re- at the Reed Park Recreational Center, Randolph, Randolph Recreational yeah, Randolph Center, at Reed Park in Tucson. Come on out if you're yeah. in Japan. Come on out.
0: Yeah, we would love to have you start listening to us again.
1: Yeah, what's up with our Japanese listeners? I don't you know. Just tell me. I don't. They've they've they're gone. They're gone. We lost them. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
0: oh, okay. anyway, what did you have for breakfast? I had the the savory sandwich. Don't you always have the savory sandwich here? Sometimes I have the whiskey town. Oh, the the whiskey town. Yes, the the whiskey town. Yeah, and I always have a cortado, which kind of looks like a whiskey because it's in a whiskey glass of sorts, right? Mm. Yeah, a
1: Gibraltar
0: glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah, Gibraltar's the only way I know it. And oddly enough, I noticed that over at Cartel, they changed their name. Yeah, they used to call it the Gibraltar. Now they call it the cortado. I know. know. Everybody wants to, you know, I don't know. Are they trying to streamline?
1: Nobody can be different? Yeah, probably. I don't know. They just, probably everybody was calling it a Cortado and they were getting offended. We were talking, we were just, you were telling me about an old coffee shop. And, um, you know, if you have been around not very long here, you remember when Cartel was very picky. Yeah. And you went in there. Like, if you, you couldn't get certain things to go, if you. Can you get a cappuccino to go there now? I'll bet you can. I bet you can. Wow. I think so. I think things have changed over there. But they were, yeah, there was
0: was Snoo Tay. Well, do you remember they used to be, before the cartel, they were... Avenue. Avenue, and they were right on the corner where Good Eats or whatever that place is or... uh, Uh, Yeah, Goodness. Goodness, yeah, Yeah. um, is. And that, they had amazing shakes. Oh, the oh my gosh, Avenue. Wait, wait, wait. Avenue had uh, shakes? Yes,
1: because. There was a guy in there before Avenue. No, 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 who no. Who was no. always complaining about ice cream and shamrock and they sham you and then they rock you and he no, was no, always no, real. not him. No?
0: Not so him. remember, it was owned by a couple, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I the do. wife spent her day inventing shakes. No way. But it got bought out this. by a cartel, right? Or they yeah. they made some well, kind of merger. Or I yeah. don't know all the details. But she's mergers, yeah. she's no longer really an influence in how a cartel is run. They're yeah, they've completely moved on. They're right. doing something else. Yes, but she, she uh, made shakes. She oh man, huh. they were the best ever. I don't remember having a
1: shake. Yeah, it was, I she, was there a lot. too.
0: Yeah, me too. And we never even saw each other. Weird.
1: Or we did, and we didn't know. Yeah, man. But then you were telling me Eric um, is proving to go way back at Tucson. Yes. You know, in Tucson's history, and there, we have a coffee shop here called the Raging Sage. And if before the third wave of coffee came to town, Raging Sage was like this is where you went to get a nice cup of coffee, right?
0: Versus Coffee Exchange or Coffee Etc. Yeah,
1: and those yes, and there's still one Coffee Exchange, which is you know, I don't know, I don't want to say bad things about it's. I don't. I mean, it's not. It's favorite.
0: where I cut my teeth in ministry. Was yeah.
1: hanging out with baristas at Coffee Exchange. So, yeah, it's you know. where my wife and I hung out when she was in nursing school. Like, when we, were, when we were dating and engaged, I would sit up with her till 2 in the morning, which was not wise, while she studied. And I would work on whatever I was working on. But that was a... Which was just staring at her mostly. Right yeah, there. working on, like, yeah, examining her face and her teeth and her eyes. And, yeah. Oh, oh, wait, back back to work. <laughs> you were uh, working on your uh, Song of Solomon poems. Yeah. Poems. <laughs> my Song of Solomon poems. Exactly. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah, caught coffee exchange is... It, they're open late. That's the thing. There's only one left and it's on the east side. It's yes. kind of weird. And then there was coffee Etc. which was massive. That yeah.
0: place was huge. Oh, and I loved going there. You'd you get a pot on the table yeah, and these amazing like french fries that were like yeah. uh, piles of potatoes mm. on your plate. And you could study all day.
1: Yeah. There was a lot more food involved. I remember going over there late night after I'd get off work when I was like high school after high school. Yeah, But before the Raging Sage... For Tucsonans, Eric is... Right. I, I don't remember what was there before the Raging Sages, and Eric
0: does. For a short period of time, there was this coffee shop called Seattle's Best Coffee. Um, and it wasn't the actual brand. They, I think, got the coffee down from Seattle, a Seattle roaster. It was before that was popular. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, didn't, they were kind of that die-yuppie-scum coffee shop. You went in, most often the baristas were in the back smoking... They gave you a big cup of coffee and you really weren't going to get a refill and you just sat in there and played board games and it was kind of like you, it was a blessing for you to go there and be, Yeah. Be, you know, treated by them. Didn't last very long, but yeah. there it was. I, I was trying to think if there's any other like really famous coffee shops that kind of died out after the third wave coffee thing. Well, I there's, think we're on the fifth or sixth wave now, aren't we? We are. Yeah, there have been many waves. There's uh,
1: there's Black Crown, which why I'm Safe House.
0: Safe house, yeah, safe house and
1: And that's always been more you know, there's that there's that niche of bikers who also yes. like to sip on a cappuccino. Yeah. And that's that was Safe House and Black Crown is just kind of a continuation yeah, of Safe it, House I think but it's, but it's the not same quite order, right? I think it's an employee took it oh, over. Oh, okay. But it's uh I think Safe House was another level. It's cleaned up a little bit. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I hear they cleaned up a bit.
1: Uh, Sean and I, my buddy, we I also have a business called Midtown Artisans, and we made a table out of scrap wood we pulled from the dumpster when they were redoing that oh, place. Oh, that's awesome. So somebody out there has got a coffee table out of uh, safe
0: house stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, we should get started, because you and I know our pastors, and yeah. contrary to popular belief, we have lots of things to do. Yeah, well, sure. Well, I wanted, before we do that, I just wanted to say, man, you're good at basketball. Uh,
1: no, you are. you are I'm not as good a shooter as you are. Well, I was. This is the first time you and I have seen each other play basketball. Today. That's true. And so, and um, I'm a lot better than you saw. I was you, just tired. No, well, dude, <laughs> seriously, I've been I've been playing again for a few months, and there's I feel a lot better already. And I'm oh, thinking okay. if I keep playing for a year or something, it's going to be better. But but this was your first time back on the court in a while.
0: I was yeah a long
1: time. Yeah. And that's a really hard day. I, it?
0: yeah, it's going to be interesting. I did a that a couple weeks, months ago. Yeah. And,
1: and after game one, I was heaving and
0: right, burping. Right, I haven't been ugh. exercising for a while because of all the acid reflux and heart issues and all that kind of stuff. It's been yeah. hard. I'm doing yeah. a lot of walking, but walking does not get your heart rate it's not up the same. no matter how hard you try. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is good. Actually, it's been something I've been praying for because, you know, I don't... Uh, I wanted to play basketball, but you can't just go sign up for a league as... Out of shape as I am, in so I mean.
1: And then there's scheduling issues yes. if you get in the league. You're yeah, not, I tried to do a baseball league, and I just couldn't pull it off. Of
0: yeah. Me. So anyway, I'm really just thankful that you invited me, and hey, maybe it'll be a good way of, for both our churches to kind of cross pollinate some more. Yeah. <clears throat> as we continue to say that we're sister churches, But someday we should talk about what it might look like to form our own network, right. worldwide domination. But that's yeah. another. Sure, another podcast. podcast. (laughs) But
1: today, we, uh, as we mentioned last week, we have had a a request um, to follow up a little more on sexual harassment because last time when we talked about it, there were some cases out, but it's obviously a lot, a lot more has happened since then. There's a lot more. Uh, people that have been exposed, most notably, I mean, Matt Lauer's a really big one. Who, Dustin Hoffman? You said. Yeah, I, I guess didn't even hear about this. Thirty
0: or you know, twenty some years ago, he was. it was at a state like a, what do you call it? It was a, a play on Broadway. I uh-huh. think. Don't remember what the play was, but uh, yeah, I think two women had come out and said something about that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's yeah. A couple hours ago, came forward accusing Dustin Hoffman of sexual harassment. Yeah! Um, wow! Yeah,
0: and um, how the mighty have fallen. But before we hit sexual harassment, yeah. just a quick because uh, I got a text uh, yesterday saying, "Hey, maybe we should." I think somewhere in one of our podcasts we said that people do what they want to do. Like they, they like we choose our behaviors. We don't. They don't. Okay. Just, we don't fall into them. And there. And the person asked, "Well, what if you have a mental illness? Like, mm. what does that mean? Like, where does your vo- where's your volition when you have mental illness?" And then they were like, "Maybe you guys could talk about that on a podcast." And I was like, "Huh, I thought that was a good idea." So I okay. thought I'd put it out there as, "Yeah, maybe we might we might talk about that in the in the future." Okay, we'll stick it on air, and say hey.
1: Yeah, you're, uh, your your co pastor Rod and I have talked about he he's probably told you like perspe- a conversation with his son or something. Yes. That, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we can
0: yeah yeah be
1: interesting to get into that.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyway, we back to sexual harassment. Dustin Hoffman.
1: Yeah, and so the I mean the list is long. I mean I think you know especially like in my family it was Garrison Keillor was like what you know and that that one it doesn't Charlie so Farr. far Charlie Rose that one shocked oh, that shocked was, me like, yeah
0: that was shocking yeah
1: because you see him on TV and you're like this is a guy who is kind and he's a listener and he's good. and it, and then you go oh well that's TV Charlie. Right, like, TV Charlie, <laughs> TV Charlie, um, but yeah, there's another side of Charlie. Yes, and um, yeah, that one was was surprising. Um, but anyway, you know, but but at the same time, as as a Christian, I mean, I was I was watching this. Uh, there was some late night talk show on. I'm forgetting the names of everybody involved, which is probably for the best. But there was a guy on there, and he was talking about technology. And he was talking about how, you know, all these terrible things that are happening with technology and all these things we should be afraid of and all this stuff. And the guy um, said, well, I mean, what do you think? Is there any hope? And he goes, oh, yeah, I I still think people are basically good. Um, And he goes, but just this, you know, there's all this stuff that, that, you know, we got to be aware of. And, And I thought man, you know, you're like a doomsday prophet who thinks that people aren't involved in doomsday, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, that's interesting. It is interesting.
1: And, (laughs) and so with all this, I'm going, well, as a, as a Christian, you know, I, I am not surprised that people with a good side also have a bad side. Yeah. That I'm not surprised about it. And so all of this, I'm not surprised. I mean, I hear stories in my church and circles and, I know myself and I'm listening to all this. I'm going like, gosh, I, yeah, I'm not shocked that people have done these things that doesn't make it right at all. And it is horrendous, but I'm also not surprised. And so, um, you know, that I think, I think what I hear a lot of is just absolute shock that that person could do this. Right. And I'm thinking from the perspective we're coming from, our belief system tells us, uh, no, the heroes of the faith did stuff like this. Like, the best of the best do stuff like this and have it in them. And everybody has it in them. That's one.
0: Right. So one. <clears throat> we start, like, with David. Yeah. He should be removed because, right. you know, he's not only a, a sexual harasser. He's a, Murder. a, a murderer, a man who used his power to sleep with women like a yeah, guy, we and yet he's a man called after God's own heart. So, in the faith, there is there's something different going on. Like there's there's a way we handle brokenness that's different. Yeah. I mean, obviously those are Old Testament stories, but but, it, but the but there's still there's there's forgiveness yes. available in the Old Testament. Yes. There's stuff like it's it's Old Testament, but it's not a whole different world, a whole right. different system, right? Yeah. And it's a different, it's a narrative. It's a narrative of all the ugly, like we said, and and the good, like we said last week when we were talking about the Old Testament. Right. So, you know, I've heard from
1: believers, and there was a a Kathy Lee Giffords um, moment uh, where she was talking about her her husband's affair and what she had gone through and forgiveness, and this was especially in reference to Matt Lauer, um, and, I, you know, a lot of Christians kind of pumped that out, I noticed, on my social media feed. Because my social media feed is very, like, 50-50. I've got, I've got the whole, you know, people from church circles that I know, and then the whole group of Tucsonans I love and know who, who really aren't connected to any of that. So I see both sides of that. Right. Um, which I'm grateful for. Um, but But, yeah, like, that more conservative and kind of standard Christian side of things was pumping out this stuff, like, look at Kathy Lee, good point, you know, we're supposed to forgive, and um, and so in light of that you know, what, how would you talk through that with, like, somebody in your church like, with a maybe somebody who's accused of sexual harassment or even somebody within the community who's done
0: something like this you know and somebody goes, well, can't we just forgive them? Hmm Right. Well, I mean, I think you and I probably on this podcast should define what Christian forgiveness is. Right. But I also think that we have to understand that there are always consequences for our actions. Yeah. And so, particularly when there's the laws of, the, of, of this city and world that we live in, we have to submit to those. So, if... We, in the workplace, participate in sexual harassment. There's consequences. We may lose our job. We may be sanctioned. Yeah. We may be demoted. Those are all yeah. part of the consequence. Yeah. Sometimes, when we approach those things with humility, there can be some of consequences are alleviated in our workplace. You know, you right. go to anger management or you, whatever, sensitivity training. Like, there are things within in workplaces set up for people if they're willing to embrace that. Yeah, and and go through some kind of process. Uh, we have to respect that. Yeah. But the real question you've been asking, and I've heard you say this—I don't know if we actually said it on air—but you've certainly said it to me off-air, which is, well, what happens afterwards to these people? Like, what yeah. happened? Like, how? Like, how do we walk with them? Like, where are they? Just become pariahs, and they're they they're horrible people, and they've fallen, and now. And and I'm asking
1: that question not of. I mean, I am asking it of the church, but I'm asking it of our culture. right? You know, so I, I don't know what, for whatever reason, like an image stood out to me of like when Matt Lauer was first seen after it all happened and he's getting out of his Jeep and he's got his beanie on and people are like, Oh, he's emerged, you know? And, and it's like, there's just this new point of view toward him. And in that moment, I was, I saw something on, you know, that was on a news program. And I thought, wow, like, we are a judgmental culture. Yes. He is, you know, we found out there's something that he should be ashamed of. And interestingly enough, like, I don't know where culturally we have the um, the power and the right to cast shame on somebody. Because, you know, with, with sexuality, we, we culturally praise sexual freedom and sexual expression but there is there's this line right that comes when um when it's not consensual um but but we don't have a like who who drew the line and can the line move has it always been there will it always be right there right. you know and and you can look back 10 20 years and the lines in a different place and so okay. who but anyway with all that like what, for whatever reason, Matt Lauer has has crossed the line culturally, right? And we are done with Matt Lauer. We are, and and you know, and I was just thinking, like culturally, what what are we going to do with these folks? Like, if this continues, and if this goes into other spheres, this this judgment, right. condemnation um, that we that we do culturally, we're going to have a lot
0: of people who are outcast, right? And what are we going to do with them, right? And I don't know. It. It's going to be interesting because right now what you're seeing is a, uh, a technological um, vigilanteism. Yeah. And, you know, it's becoming. And, and, and in some places it's very safe. It's good because it's a safe place where women who yeah. have been without power yes. all of a sudden have power. Yeah. And are able to at least speak up in, the, in some safety. Yep. Um, not completely because they get harassed. Of, right. Um, and, and I was reading a study yesterday, very fascinating, is that as women raise, rise in power, they're more harassed yeah, than sure. less harassed. I believe it. Um, they just have more power to kind of push it aside or extinguish it or kind of, you know, mm-hmm. reply to it. That's it. But they don't get less harassment. Um, yeah, I, I should
1: be clear. I'm, I am pro the exposure of people's sin. Yeah. Like that, and I think that this, in that sense, like this is good. Like our, I think, you know, because we're coming from this robust theological place where we believe that sin is damaging; it should be exposed and it should be dealt with. Which yes. is what people have been struggling with Christianity over is is that whole idea. We believe in it, so when women are saying we've been harassed and this person did it, I'm with you. Like that needs to be done, and I'm grateful for that and want more of that. But right. then the question becomes. Yeah. So what do you do with guilty folks?
0: Right. Right. What do you do with guilty folks? And I I don't know. I think the question, like, we can theorize about that, but you and I, for me to understand it is better to understand it. How do I deal with it in my own church? Yeah. How do we as people deal with when we've violated one another? What does forgiveness look like? Yeah when let's say like i've said some mean things about your wife like i right. just i just have slandered her and then next week you and i have to have a podcast right. together like what what how would what do we do with that yeah because if i'm repentant then you're gonna have to offer forgiveness in your calling as a follower of jesus but what does that mean yeah. like how do we do that in relationship so let, let's, we've thrown a couple terms out there that we
1: assume that people, are, understand. That people understand, but as we know, people in our churches don't understand them, so, you know, or not always, and you and I have probably misunderstood them along the way, so sure. one would be, so there's like sin, we exposing sin and, and we probably would come at that definition differently. But I would say, like, anything that's imperfect is sin. Right. And then there are, there are levels of, like, some things are, are just downright mean, cruel, right. wrong. Um, but, but anything that's imperfect is sin. And then sin can be found out or confessed or found out and then confessed. And how key is that? Or kept in the secret. Or yeah, hidden. Or kept in dark. Yeah. yeah, right. And how key is that? how
0: key is is, well the confess the confessing oh I think confessing um is the is the most important part yeah um and I I think that like well just to like I think we both agree with what I think sin is I mean the Greek word is missing the mark it's an archery term um but it's also I love it's it's not the way it's supposed to be anything that's not the way it's supposed to be as imperfect like you're saying then it's and it's sin. That like the yeah the sin in things isn't just like oh my gosh that was dark and
1: horrible, it's that my dad died like that's the effect that of sin. that's sin yeah Um that like our bodies are are that I have not acid able reflux and can't pull this like that, that's that's yeah. a piece like sin is so such a big concept yes it it's yeah our behavior factors into that but even the fact that we are capable of behaving this way and that we have these imperfections and that the world around us is imperfect and that our relationships are imperfect and that um
0: and that there's global warming and that there's all like <laughs> right. sin, sin, sin everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. So we go back to confession. So and here's maybe with theologically where I'm at is that I do not believe that you and I have a will that is free because of sin. Right. But I do believe that we have, <clears throat> excuse me, the power to still recognize sin. Mm-hmm. And so if we're willing to confess it, like I usually, my theology falls in, you know, Psalm 51. Like, I can confess my sin. I can yeah. do nothing about my sin. Right. God has to search me, know me, cleanse me. Then I can proclaim what I saw as bad that he transformed. So I can pr- proclaim him and his glory and what he's done in me. Yeah. So confession is just identifying... That I know that sin is sin.
1: <laughs> yeah. And not calling sin something good. Yes. Nor hiding it. Right. And so then there's... But then what'll happen is you'll have people who go, okay, I did it. Um, so confession. Yes. Um, guilty is charged. And then they want to just be now all is... Right. Now we don't want to talk about this anymore. Right. And in your church... What do you do with this? something
0: like that? And what kind of words do you do use to? Well, you know? I mean, we always talk about sin has impact. Yeah. So we use like so you know, in, in the Jewish world, all words have power. So that's like when. When we see in Hebrews, it says, you know, God's word goes out and doesn't come back void. Well, it's not talking. I mean, it is referring to the Bible, but it's referring to the power that words. So the holy words go forward and when they hit you, they have impact. Yeah. You can't undo hearing the scripture being read over you. You can't undo having someone do something or say something wicked to you. Right. You just don't undo it. So when you confess, then confession, I think the next step is to know the impact. Yeah. Because I think we have to learn to be people who are empathetic. Like, to now put myself in the place of the person that I wronged. Yeah. To understand how I've impacted them. Yeah. So that has to be the next stage. Yeah. In, in that confession process. Especially when it comes to
1: harassment. So you don't... Or, and so you're... You know, in that, you don't just get to say, like, Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. It's like, you, you need to actually, like, deal with, feel, experience listen to what your sin has done yep. to somebody, not write it off, not um, avoid
0: it, move yeah. on, move out of state. It's yeah. Uh, Well yeah, but in Isaiah sixty one or, or when you when you're when to mourn with those who mourn not Isaiah sixty one I'm asking about in Romans. When I talk about mourning with those who mourn. Like anyway. I think it's in Romans. <laughs> I don't know why I've been like that. But anyway that's weekly. part of mourning and grieving is the fact that I sin against a lot of people, and yeah. so partly, if, if like, like we go back to the example of like I slandered your wife, which I've never done, and I repented that. Right now, that's caused a rift in our relationship. It's probably caused pain in your wife and your relationship. Well, now I have to grieve that with her. Yeah. Like I have to sit there and, and, and maybe and just be like, I'm, I'm just so sorry that I messed this up, and just sit and listen to like your story about how your wife is not handling it very well. And you know, and what can I do to restore that? And so part of it is just being able to grieve over my own sin with the people that I have hurt. So then you just threw another word out there: <laughs> repent.
1: And so yeah. that one's another one that like we as Christians throw around. But it's there's a lot in that word oh, right it's,
0: there. It's a, a word that theologians spend lifetimes
1: on. Lifetimes on that that we it would seem should spend a lifetime. Exp- like walking in and experiencing this idea of repentance, and the fact that the train whistle is going by just signals how important it really exactly. is. Exactly. Um, so, repentance in in the way that I've learned it is it involves confession. Yes. That's a piece of it. That mm-hmm. where you see that you've that you've done something wrong, and that you not only have done it, but it, it, you do it. It's something you're actively a part of yeah. and it's a part of a, the wrong motives that you have. So I, I, tend to say like, because I was going the wrong direction, I also did the wrong thing. It's yeah. not just, Oh, I was a pretty good guy and I messed up. It's right. like I had the wrong trajectory. I have the wrong goals yeah. and therefore I act out of those and I do the wrong thing. So I must not only stop doing things I must live for different reasons. I yes. must live for different goals. So repenting is that realization and then a turning away or a re- renouncing of the goals that I had and a turning toward goals that God has given to you that are good and true and right. And that would cause you to love your neighbor.
0: Yeah. Well, can I ask you a question about yeah. that? Because I think the key thing, and I think you probably can articulate it pretty well is when you make that turning, mm-hmm. that turning is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But how would you explain to your community how one, when they confess, understand their direction and begin that turning, like they access the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit transform that? Like, what? How does that process work? Wow. Like, what would I do? Okay, I've confessed. I'm. Yeah. I want to turn. Yeah, um, and no, interestingly,
1: I, that's that's a hard one to explain, and I suppose it might happen in a in a variety of different ways, but, I mean, what you're talking about with mourning, like, that, I think, could be a big piece of it, of, like, I mean, the Holy Spirit might convict you, you know, which is a,
0: a horrible thought, but it's, can like... You, it can like, you tell me what that's, like, maybe like, to right. be convicted by the Holy Spirit? Because I think a lot of people don't, they say that, or we say that, and people are like, well, what is that? Right,
1: yeah, thank you. No like so so conviction could be like the recognition of what I have done and the impact that it has and the fact that like something outside of yourself is impressing upon you that that sense of what it is and so like I had somebody in counseling one time who um you know said something to the effect of I I've been feeling more, like, broken and sinful. Um, and I think there was a struggle there as if, like, I thought I was going to be getting closer to God. And my encouragement back was that this might be where God is drawing near because the Spirit would lovingly, like, like any loving parent, would gently show you who you really are and what you've done and, and that you're going the wrong way. Um, that that could be a very loving act of the Spirit of God, and so um, I would say, like, I mean, look for it in your feelings. Look for it in the Scriptures. When there's something in the Scriptures that you go, "Oh, here is what's right and good," and I that is not me. Um, look you know, for it
0: on Sunday in the in the liturgy. In the liturgy, yes, yeah. So look for the it process in process of your in
1: your, the community. Why yeah. am I alienated? Like all like through all those ways, it's not like yeah like spirit of God is like a completely separate thing from all that over here talking. It's Mm -hmm. like that experience of God's spirit is happening within the community of God's people within worship, uh, within scripture in your heart,
0: uh, conscience, all of that. Yeah. I don't know. How would you, Uh, I think, man, like what you said is exactly what I think. Yeah. I mean, that's it right there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that's the process and, and it's because, it's key that repentance is again something that the Holy Spirit does in yeah. you as you reorient yourself towards the way of Jesus. Yes. Oh yeah, and that's pretty much what you were saying, but you were giving an actual road, like wheels to the road of how that happens. Yeah, so, yeah. And so then there's going to be yeah, like walking
1: in a new way, which is you know is going to involve like renouncing the way you were going. So if your your goal has been to protect yourself from pain. Right. For instance. And so the, the things that you're doing are flowing out of that goal. Um, and that is not, like, a goal that, that has come from God. It's it's your own. It's, it's seeking your own safety. It's ultimately self-centered. And because of it, you're harming people. You know, to walk in another way, which would be a way of, like, of giving and loving someone else could be a terrifying thing to do because nah. it doesn't feel safe and all of that. And so... This isn't like the path to like, hey, this is going to be easy and fun and good. It's a path to joy. It will it will be good, but it's going to be, it could very well be very difficult. And repenting is is to begin moving and operating um, under the authority of God instead of under the authority of yourself.
0: Yeah, and, and I also, I think, again, so we're talking about sexual harassment and how, you know, I went and listened to the first 10 minutes on my way here, of our yeah. last one, and I was talking about power. And I think it's interesting because confession and repentance is giving up power. So if truly I, which I've only met your wife once, she's a lovely lady. I've never said anything <laughs> bad about her, but if I were to slander your wife, this is just a good example. Yeah. And then I confessed it and you asked some more questions. You were right. like, okay, you accepted that. And we'll talk about forgiveness in a second. And, and you were like, okay, so why'd you do that? And I'm like, well, I just don't say, I can't control my tongue. Right. If I'm confessing to you and I've had an impact on you, what I'm also saying probably then in the repentance process, since we're in community, is, okay, Andy, now as you see me working towards the wrong direction, I'm saying it's okay for you, the person I wounded, to say, Eric, stop. Yeah. Like, and now there's a relationship between us where I know I have wounded you in the past so you have a sensitivity to my capacity to wound you yeah. and you can step in and redirect me and that's what the beauty of confession and community is, is I give you power to love me and help disciple me and redirect me
1: yeah.
0: and I think that's the power of community which probably Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose all these guys, they don't have that uh, yeah. they're men of power men of money, men of wealth and and used to getting what they want yeah Um, and I I don't like we can talk about forgiveness but the thing that I am curious about with all of this is like really at the core I think other than sin is pornography like Mm -hmm. I think we are particularly men and how men's brains work but women too we've become sex addicts oh yeah and 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 so the thing we thought was going to bring us freedom has ruined us, yeah. and it's destroying us. And it's so funny because now sociologists are just—they're trying to say this is ruining us, but yeah. they've got nothing, right? I mean, they, there's, there's no gonna,
1: basis for that. And it's—it seems like it's stripping away your freedom, the thing we fought for so hard.
0: Right. And nobody's going like they you they're not willing to I mean they are they're trying to say that we've got to, to monitor and change things but they don't we don't want to put controls on anything. well and then when you put controls on people know people rebel against
1: controls and then and then people just are even more secretive and we as Christians know that because Paul says like the minute you put a law in place, our very nature wants to break that law even more than right. when it was there. Right. And sociologists wouldn't put that spiritual language to it, but they know that kind of stuff is true and that mm-hmm. people rebel against laws, so they don't want laws, they don't want rules. But how do you regulate this stuff without rules? And it, and we would say you can't. You can't regulate stuff with rules. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people coming from the Christian perspective of the church would actually think that you could. Right. But, But no, you can't. The only way that you can that you can change a heart's direction is for the heart to love something else more right. than the other thing that it loves. And rules will not do
0: that. Right. Now rules
1: apply; they correctly. do have they do can, have a place. Yes, they can curb things, and they they curb things and they show you how it ought to be. Yes, so that you're conscious yes. of what sin is, and so then that you feel appropriate things such as guilt. Or shame when you harm somebody or make somebody into an object for your own
0: uh, you know, consumption, pornography. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, like, societally, like, if you, like, I am kind of a, have been for most of my you know, education and life, been a student of Adler, um, a psychologist. And then Adlerian psychology, there's basically this idea that when I become a person who's all about me, I yeah. become unhealthy. Yeah. And I am unable to have any real sense of self within a community. And when I am about the community, when I'm empathetic, when I understand my place in the community and my meaning and I'm about other people, then, I, then I'm i healthy. And I think that prior to World War II, you know, though our country is full of horrible stories, there is a yeah. cultural line of other-centeredness, of empathy, of... And all of a sudden, after the war and Vietnam and the sexual revolution, we become more and more self-centered to the point now where we have no—we are a sick culture. Our culture has no way of of empathizing. So mm-hmm. you see what we see on Twitter, where we destroy men. Which it, I'm not saying that people shouldn't expose them. I'm just saying right. we be, there's no justice. There's we- no justice for for the African American. There's no justice for women. There's no justice for like the men who are accused, like, this is, it's, it's all vigilante, it's all, right. we're, it's not going to get better. Right.
1: We're not going to solve
0: this. No,
1: we're not going to solve this.
0: But within, we
1: would say, within the church, Yes. Um, where there's a rule of law that's given by God that, that says, here's the way things ought to be, um, where there is an amazing, gift and provision offered to those who will confess and repent. And I, I feel like we do need yes. to say, like, as far as like Christians are concerned, you know, to the people in our community who are thinking, like, come on, just forgive these folks. It's not that easy. Like in scripture, it's not that easy. It's forgiveness comes at a great cost. I mean there there is cost, there's pain, there's impact, there's a cost that the only way to be forgiven is for God in Christ to suffer a death that and, and, and that death is one that you have to, like, raise your hand and say, I deserved that. Mm-hmm. And you have to not just raise your hand and say it, but feel that and mm-hmm. be impacted by that. It's, you know, it's not just going, hey, Jesus died for my sins. It's like that needs to, like, hit you really. You need to, you need to feel that. Right. That needs to be, like, you need to realize, like, I have real guilt and shame. And Jesus gave me the riches of his love and brought me into his family um In the while I was a sinner, in full knowledge of it, he, he offered himself for me and just to, and that should just that should impact you so much that, that doing more things like you were doing and living for the reasons you were living for is just intolerable to you. Um, oh. and then and then there would be the confessing and repenting and you know so what, when you're looking at it, Like, when we're looking at Matt Lauer or somebody else, like, as Christians, it's not just like, come on, forgive the guy. It would be—but you would want to offer him a path by which he would acknowledge deeply what he's done, real confession, and and a path to to repentance, which would be to really reconcile and to, like, face what he's done and admit it and and publicly walk in it and hear and feel the impact that he's had on others— and to begin, like, living for different reasons. and inv- I mean, if he were invited into that, there could be a path to restoration, but it's not just easy. Yeah. It wasn't easy for Jesus on the cross. It's not easy for anybody who's going through confessing, repenting, on any scale. Right. It's not.
0: Well, and I, one of the most beautiful examples of that, I was watching an interview that Andy Stanley did with a couple yeah. on stage, and it was a man and a woman, and they had previously married, and the man had basically had affairs and done things he shouldn't do and they got divorced and then she's remarried and then she, and he hasn't, but he now has a ministry to men like that. And there they are sitting on the stage. I don't know how many years later, laughing with each other, talking about the, the horror of things and her process of forgiving him and his process of confessing and the thing that it's done in his life, like in the way that he's been able to step into men's lives. Like it's, it's crazy what forgiveness and repentance Mm. and confession yeah. In the community of God can do here you have two people experienced horrible betrayal sitting on a stage in front of a thousand people laughing enjoying one another's company no longer married offering like the grace of God they're like oh well that's that is what Matt Lauer needs that's what Charlie Rose you know? needs that's like that kind of power and, and not only I don't know how you know
1: and you can't like that's not that doesn't just like come easily like no. i mean that that story touches on my own in many ways cuz yeah. i'm you know we've talked about how i've gone through divorce and yeah and there you know i'm sorrys were said but not like backed up with true change or you know and stuff like that and and it's like it takes more than just like oh i forgive you it's okay do what you want it goes way beyond just like oh, i'm sorry yeah it's like this is i mean what you're talking about is like really saying like this is who I am and what I've done and walking in that and allowing like for time to go by and to continue in that kind of repentance and I could see how that, you could get there if that were to happen that's a long that takes, that's, that takes a commitment that like that doesn't come from us No. like who in the world just drums that up, like that's that's incredible, that's that's of God.
0: Right. Right. Well, when you were talking, I was thinking I've always contemplated the cross because all of the disciples abandon Jesus, but right. in the Gospel of John, John doesn't completely abandon Jesus. Right, he's there at the cross. He takes Jesus's family. Yeah, um, where Peter fully denies yeah. him and from the text and denies him right in front of his face. Right, and if you, I think when Jesus meets Peter and he has that final yeah. like, you know, take care of my sheep and. That's got to be painful for oh. Jesus. I don't think Jesus is just like, oh, like, God, no big deal I'm that you denied you a talk me right now. and I died and you know, like, that's probably a summarization of how they worked out their relationship after. And and Jesus, it was impacted him. It impacted him to be betrayed hey, do and you love me? Yeah, like yeah. that's a deep question. That's yeah. not a, just a. You know, oh, hey, I know you love me. I'm God of the universe. Like this right. is a very human exchange. Where and where he's like, well, you don't get to worry about John. John has a different relationship with me. Yeah, you know, and, and a different way of being restored. And yeah, so it's so yeah. Like I think it's encouraging to me that even Jesus, he forgives in a very human way, not just on the cross, which is a very miraculously human and right divine way. It's I mean. not
1: all there is to it. It's, yeah, yeah.
0: So. And that's it's critical to it. I don't want to diminish no, that at all. No, but, no. but right,
1: it's it's a cop-out yeah. for Christians just to be like, come on, Jesus died for my sins, or D- Jesus died for their sins, let it right. go. Right. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's Right, It's there is a very there's a human element, there's a, there's a process, there is pain, there is repentance, it's yeah. not an easy easy thing. That well, we're now, the beauty
0: of the church, if you want to know how this is, this is how it works. Matt Lauer comes to church, Matt mm-hmm. Lauer sits in the church, and a few women who've suffered under sexual, you know, harassment sit there and look at Matt Lauer, and they know the pain that he's caused other women. Yeah. They feel it. Yeah. He's threatening in their presence, and they offer him grace, and they wrestle with their own anxiety now to come to church because there's an accused yeah. sexual, you know, harasser in their community. Mm-hmm. Like, and all of a sudden, it's really messy. And yet, what Very we keep messy. saying is the grace of God puts us together to forgive and work this out so what then andy is forgiveness how would you define
1: (laughs) well i was just gonna say when you're saying all of that the like the words you know wide is the gate that leads to destruction many will enter it and narrow is the gate that leads to life and and i don't think that's just because like oh not a lot of people not a lot of people are going to believe in jesus it's like but everything we're talking about here, of what like it means to believe in Jesus, which is to walk in all these things and to do these hard things in community that are tied to believing Jesus, you know, like that's it's asking for your whole life and asking you to, to face the the things that terrify you the most, and not a lot of people are going to do that. No, it's and when people do, I it's rightfully shocking. And it speaks of the work of the Spirit of God that that would enable and make somebody willing to do such difficult things. Um, But yeah, uh, forgiveness—you know—absolutely dependent upon God. Yeah. um, In many ways, on the work of God's Spirit, on the the grace of God in Christ of taking all sorts of aspects of pain that we deserve for what we've done um, and then I guess I would say like when those realities are worked out in in community in which people actually walk together in that and offer it to one another even when they are when they don't feel like it um. And because they believe in the power of God
0: and the good news of Jesus, oh. add to that. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just thinking about that and tearing up a little bit. Um, yeah, because in the end, forgiveness is all in the hands of of uh, the Holy Spirit yeah. and the God of the universe, and our understanding of the gospel and the cross obviously helps us in that process. Uh. Forgiveness—the word itself actually means to send away or divorce, huh. right? And when when Jesus says, you know, when you you know, ask anything from me, and you'll receive it, and then that last part he says, pray, and, or, or forgive, so that you're, so God will forgive you. Yeah. In Mark, like a lot of that has to do, like when you and I pursue God and develop that intimacy, which is a confession of sin. Like you were saying, that person that you were counseling is like, well, I feel so broken. Well, you're moving towards an intimacy with God because the closer you get to the cross, the closer you realize, "Oh my gosh, yeah, like I can't go on. Like, not I need another way." And it's not just a one-time moment of "Oh, I need to be born again." But no, this is like, "Oh, this is the the Christian life." Yeah. Yeah. Oh my, oh my, what have I done? Like, and and so when when the more you enter that, the more you realize, I need to forgive because. I want to be forgiven. Like, there's... The, when I don't forgive, my into, the intimacy with God, my faith is stretched really thin. And so I think forgiveness for me, anyway, as I look at all the woundedness, is that I really mentally, as I pray, say, oh, God, like, I'm holding this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm they're in the same place. They're right next to me on the cross. Yeah, I'm just feeling what, what you know, they've done. But I do all of this, yeah. you know? And... Yeah and so I have to let go like a lot of times we want to hold on because it's our only bit of justice we have right and really I think forgiveness is giving the justice to God giving and and that's a it's a hard thing to believe that God will actually
1: follow through with that yeah and do what's right yeah um and and right and so it that it's unforgiveness is an act of unbelief and as I say that I'm going um, (laughs) <laughs> I, um, you yeah, know, this that's an issue for me. Yeah. You know, an issue of unbelief for me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which is right. And you and I theologically would basically say, yeah, all sin is an act of unbelief. Yeah. Like, it's a, so here's just another layer, <laughs> layer of my unbelief. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, and, and the good news of, of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that the unbelief and everything that's there is you can really uh, keep peeling that onion which is the lifelong journey but but be safe in the fact that God in Christ has forgiven you like so you are safe to be broke safe to bring out more and more
0: of the hard ugly truth in Christ yeah Yeah. I, I think like if you were just to so how do I respond to the Twitter accounts that yeah. put up all the people who have abused people or harassed people. How do I deal with the harassers as a Christian? And here's how I do it. I'm not concerned with trying to figure out who's right, who's wrong, or try to figure out like what our society is going to do. My job, I think, according to the gospel, is to look at... We're using poor Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, Weinstein, anybody you want... I weep for them because they have a story and they have a brokenness that has pushed them in that direction. And then I listen to these women and you hear some of the stories and I weep for the way that we have cared for the women of our world and the way that as men we have been wicked and evil. And in some ways, if our, if our world were more cohesive like the Jewish place and I were a rabbi, I would sit outside in my house, shave my head, pour ashes on my head and people would ask what are you doing and I would say I'm mourning the sin of our leaders the sin of our priests and how the sheep of our world, our sheep of our city are being yeah. abused and taken advantage of yeah. and I did read, and on another side I did read a woman CEO saying this should be a wake up for all of us not in the sense of saying you know, let's be hypersensitive but we all need to think, how, how do I use my power yeah. and is it abusive? Like it's, it's, it's something that and that would be the call, not hey, we need all these laws and rules. Yeah. that will happen, I suspect it'll. All, sure. yeah, but our job is to say no like, let's take a deep look inside. Let's mourn what sin has done to our and, nation. Be, and beware
1: of, of just projecting it out on the other people of look at look at the horrors over there or on the other side or on the right or on the left or you know in men mm-hmm. or in women. Um, and be be aware that the same propensity is in you. Not, th- not just propensity, most likely. There's probably somewhere you're abusing your power.
0: Yeah. Um, or you're, you're, you're taking your sexuality and, and put it in a place it should not be. Right. Yeah. And it's it's becoming like,
1: like an idol for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so when... Yeah. And so you could be going the wrong direction, even if it doesn't look as horrible... Yeah. All right. Well, fifty-one minutes later. Thanks for uh, thanks yeah, for spending was, that time. That was with good. It's
0: fun. I really enjoy talking to you.
1: Yeah, hey, I feel the same way. This is cool. And uh, look forward to it next week, and we'll be back, and potentially have just played another game of basketball. So remember, hey, yeah. Tucson, Tucson friends, seven a.m. Tuesday, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hit us up. There is a there's an email out there. Faithoverbreakfast at gmail dot yeah talk to us about basketball ask us a question um you know it, you know whatever whatever you want ask if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss yeah. shoot an email that way i'd love to hear from you yeah
0: we like knowing that you're listening to us but you know we'll still do it if, if you don't yeah even if you don't it's yeah. no, pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure yeah no
1: pressure all right enjoy, enjoy. We'll talk to you next
0: week